0: Hey, ladies. In this week's episode, I got to speak with Dr. Brooke Scheller. She is a doctor of clinical nutrition with over 12 years of experience and quotes in the top wellness publications, including Well Good, Mind Body Green, and birdie after working as a consultant to help the nutrition brands Brooke got the opportunity to write a chapter in a textbook on using nutrition as part of the treatment for alcoholism she took her last drink shortly after seeing all the research linking alcohol to dysfunction in the body and she now specializes in alcohol's effects on your brain guts and hormones we had a beautiful conversation around low blood sugar how nutrition plays a huge role and helping you throughout the alcohol-free path and then really some great tips to help you with the craving cycle so I hope you enjoy this episode and you're having an awesome summer until next week stay blessed ladies hey sister are you newly alcohol-free but you've been hanging on for dear life hoping you don't fall backward Welcome to Set Free Sisterhood. Hey, sisters, today I have an amazing guest on the show. Dr. Brooke is here. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here and and share more about my uh, experiences with you today. Awesome. So I just want to start just to hear your story. We're going to get into the amazing um, nutritional side of the conversation around alcohol. And my women, I know, are going to be super eager to hear about that. But tell me a little bit about your story and how you got to a place of choosing to go alcohol free and then how it's um, developed into what you do now. Yeah,
1: so I would love to share a little bit of my background, both professionally and then how that kind of came into play with my experience with alcohol and sobriety. So I have um, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate in nutrition, worked for many years in clinical practice, um, starting in weight loss, and then later working in a wellness center where we did a lot of different individualized testing. So custom blood testing, stool sampling, DNA testing, testing kind of you name it, and we tested it. And I worked with a lot of chronic illness, a lot of autoimmune disease, GI disorders, a lot of mystery symptoms, and trying to help folks navigate what's going on with their body, and then how to use diet and supplementation and other lifestyle modalities in order to help them feel better. And about five years ago, I left clinical practice and started working in New York City for a startup company. And, you know, looking back on my experience with drinking, I was always a pretty big drinker. I started drinking as a teenager, always found myself around the friends who drank and even in college gravitated towards the drinkers, you know, going out for $2 Tuesdays at the local bars and, uh, You know, spending a lot of time in that, that social environment. And even when I worked in wellness, when I worked in really healthcare, I was still noticing that a lot of people that I worked with in, in the health and wellness field were, were big drinkers as well. And of course, when I shifted my career and started working in New York City and working in more of a fast paced environment, there was even more alcohol available. We had alcohol at work. They had beer on tap. They would buy bottles of wine and bottles of liquor to have on hand. And the rule was that we could drink as long as it was after 5 p.m. So, you know, we would be sitting around till six, six or seven at night having a drink there and off to happy hour afterwards. And even as a health professional, you know, we're so entertained by the idea of alcohol these days, as you can drink it as part of a healthy diet or have it as part of a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, I remember back in the early 2000s when, you know, the news briefs would come on and you would see, okay, wine is good for your heart. It's good for, you know, your social life, it's good for all these other lubricants, if you will, in order to be around other people and connect with other people. And I've always had an interest in addiction and mental health due to family history. And so I've always been really interested in this topic. And one thing that I talk about often, Michelle, and you'll hear this on some of the other podcasts I've been on, is there was this total juxtaposition for me of, on one hand, knowing exactly how alcohol was affecting my health, how it was damaging my body systems, how it was contributing to my anxiety, to my depression, to my uh, other health symptoms that I was experiencing. And yet on the other hand, being completely unable to stop, feeling like I had lost control, feeling like, um, you know, it was this slow buildup of, you know, what was once weekends turned to you know, more during the week. And then before I knew it really at the end, drinking almost every single day. And, you know, again, it's, it's been interesting with, um, you know, that experience for me in not only how much it is okay or acceptable in the, the health world, but how much opportunity there is for us to leverage some of the techniques and science that we now know to change our relationship with alcohol. So as part of my sobriety journey, it's become really important for me to take my background and my expertise and be able to overlay that with sobriety.
0: Yeah, I love it. And you just languaged um, a huge percentage of the women who listen to this podcast, because most of us are, I, you know, I follow that same pattern, you know, like we're very into health, you know, you're like looking at, which we'll dive into a little bit more, but just this whole over here I'm working out and exercising and I care about what I'm putting into my body. And then there's this, the other part that, you know, is getting more consistently drinking the wine and not um, as I've even heard you talk about, and I talk about, we have so many tools that we can use and that's, I think that's the key player and that's what I wanted to talk about is really hearing from you like the nutritional tools and the ways that you can really, really level up your ability to walk through the you know the middle or the river of misery so to speak as you're Mm -hmm. going through this process. So Yeah.
1: yeah and you know it's really important to consider because one of the things that I often talk about is how we will generally think if we're trying to change our drinking habits, we're trying to change our behavioral patterns as it relates to how often we're drinking We put a lot of burden on ourselves and pressure on ourselves to say, I need to just have the willpower. There's always this mentality of willpower. And one of the important things to consider, and we can dive into some of the key areas that I talk about in my work, Michelle. But one of the key things to consider is that our willpower isn't necessarily just about our ability to say yes and no. And that there may be other things going on in our body systems that are making it harder for us to have that quote unquote willpower. Mm -hmm. That if we have these systems at play, uh, for example, we have low blood sugar that is contributing to our cravings for alcohol after a stressful day. It's not that It's just too hard to say no, but it could be that we have this biochemical or physiological thing going on in our body that says, I need that wine or I need that drink at the end of the day. Um, And it's not just about, you know, putting all of that burden on ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. So I,
1: yeah, I think it's really great to, to frame it that way for people because I know in my case, when I was trying to cut back, you know, it's it's hard when, especially if we're in a social situation or we're in a setting where, you know, alcohol shows up. We're out with our friends that are all drinking. It can be really difficult to sit there and say no. Um, but if we're setting ourselves up with some of these tools, as you mentioned, it can make it a little bit easier and take some of that pressure off of us having to, again, make that difficult decision.
0: Yeah. And I'm a firm believer. It's a combination of some, cause even in that scenario, you know, I'm looking at the side of there's nothing good that comes from trash talking ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, being mad that, Oh, I just can't, I'm, actually my episode tomorrow is about, you know, this myth of motivation, you know, mm-hmm. why can't I get motivated? I can't stay motivated. Or why can't I have willpower is so it is the mindset piece in the learning to, you know, have that self-compassion and, having that more because you realize, oh gosh, my blood sugar is out of whack because of the loop and the cycle that I'm in from last night. Right. So that's a good lead in if, if you're willing to talk about kind of how that works with the blood sugar and the craving cycle. Absolutely. And one thing I'll just preface that with
1: as well, Michelle, is it's interesting when we think about some of the current methods that we use to approach Sobriety, uh, you know, changing our relationship with alcohol, a lot of times we think about it mainly from a mental health perspective. That therapy and, um, you know, potentially different programs, sobriety programs, or other types of even rehabilitation programs focus very, very heavily on the mental health aspects, how to change your mindset, and all of those things that are extremely, extremely important. But what's really important for me is that there's this other piece, this other 50% of it, if you will, that is biochemical. That is, how is my body acting? What types of nutrients am I deficient in? And what is really the root cause of my symptoms or cravings for alcohol? So I know you want to dive into some of the areas. And first, I like to talk about blood sugar because it is one that I think can be really easy to understand, but also has some really easy to implement uh, different tools that we can use. Mm -hmm. So the statistic is actually that about 95% of regular drinkers have some type of blood sugar irregularity. Most people, when they hear blood sugar, they think about diabetics and The fact is that whether or not you're diabetic, you may have some fluctuations in your blood sugar that contribute to things like fatigue, uh, cravings for sugar and carbs, but also cravings for alcohol. And this is especially common in people who drink on a regular basis. Alcohol tends to surge our blood sugar, cause a peak in our blood sugar, followed by a really exaggerated drop off. And when we have, when we get into this situation of low blood sugar, this is when cravings can start to occur. So one of the things that I often say to people who are looking to change their drinking habits is first and foremost, trying not to get to that low blood sugar point. So there's a few things that you can do to avoid that. One is that you can, first thing when you wake up within an hour or an hour and a half, eat breakfast you want to incorporate some source of protein in there because protein is going to cause a nice regulated blood sugar leveling, okay? We also want to make sure that we're getting enough protein throughout the day. So every snack or meal that we're having, trying to incorporate some source of protein. So instead of having, you know, a cookie, for example, can you have a hard boiled egg or something that's going to give you a little bit of protein as well? The other thing that is important in there is not leaving too much time in between meals. So here's an example, a lot of times we might, maybe we'll skip breakfast and have a little morning snack with our coffee, maybe we'll have a higher carbohydrate lunch. Find that by two o'clock in the afternoon, we are crashing and just grabbing something quick, maybe it's something sweet or something high in carbs in the afternoon. And then we're finding that at 5 p.m. after the day, that we can't give up that glass of wine, that we need to have it. It feels like this bodily need, uh, that craving is very strong and feels like we don't have the willpower to pass it on. If we instead try to eat something during that time especially something with protein that can help us kick that afternoon craving. And similarly, if we are then restructuring our day of eating around more protein and more balanced meals, it can make it easier when it comes to that point at the end of the day for us to say no.
0: Yes. I love it because I can look back even on myself and I remember the season of that, those cravings. And remember, and I'm still a firm believer of this as well. It's like, listen, because a lot of people say, oh my gosh, I'm have craving sweets now. I'm, you know, trying to reduce the alcohol. Well, okay, that's normal. And here, here's a, this is a perfect proof that it is normal. And there are times where go get an ice cream. I'd rather you go get an ice cream than drink a bottle of wine. And let's just understand that this is what's happening in your body. And maybe what other solutions do we have? And so I know for me, when I realized a lot of mine was blood sugar, I fortunately had a connection to a supplementation system that that's what it helped do, regulate blood sugar. And I'm a firm believer that that helped a lot because you talk a lot about that too, is there's ways to even supplement too, right?
1: Absolutely. And it is, you know, it's individualized for everyone. We all have maybe... Some of us have more of a tendency to be drawn towards this blood sugar irregularity that's contributing to our cravings. And part of that also is how are you eating otherwise? Mm -hmm. I know many people who are cutting back drinking and lose their appetite. So they end up just skipping meals throughout the day, which is one of the more detrimental things that you can do. Because again, when we get to that trigger time or that point where the stress kicks in, it's going to make it a bit harder to, to say no. And you know even with supplementation supplementing with protein is actually even just a great way mm-hmm. if you can bring in a smoothie or make sure that you know in your morning breakfast i mean i use collagen protein collagen peptides and i'll put that in my oatmeal which is going to balance out a higher carb breakfast mm-hmm. by adding in some of that protein
0: i do so, the same thing i love it it's my yeah, favorite breakfast yeah
1: yeah and mm-hmm. and and it does really help build the protein throughout the day it's going to help kind of set us on that path for a little bit more success when we're making that change so you know you're right this is very common and it happens to a lot of people and sugar cravings are one of the things that people experience a big struggle with when they're quitting and because of this kind of blood sugar irregularity this is exactly why we're craving that and i say the same thing that you do go have an ice cream cone. Um, I had this whole thing when I quit. I probably hadn't had ice cream on a cone in 10 years and I had to have it on a cone. Yeah. And I was like, I think it's something with the hand, you know, yeah. hand to mouth kind of oral fixation yeah. that we get when we're drinking. And so it is very normal. It's very common. And again, just by bringing in protein, healthy sources of fat, even fiber on a regular basis throughout the day is going to help with that blood sugar response.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This is a beautiful relationship between the way we talk to ourselves and the mindset and then the nutrition piece. Cause it really, they do really partner very well together. Cause I remember one Sunday afternoon and within the first probably 30 days, 60 days or something. And I remember sitting on a bench Outside this ice cream shop, just happy as can be in the middle of the day, eating my ice cream and realizing like, yeah, it's ice cream, but it's ice cream and I'm not drinking a bottle of wine today. Right. And Right. And it's, you know, to be, I think all anyone who's trying to make healthy choices, like it wasn't in my house. I didn't go buy a whole container and sit down. Uh, you know, it was a very intentional choice, and I you know, took time to celebrate it. So I think that's super important to have both of these awarenesses for sure. And I think
1: that it very naturally falls off for oh, a lot yeah. of people. Oh, yeah, you know th- those cravings seem to be quite extreme for a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely more so in I would say the first sixty or ninety days of making that change. But six months, nine months, a year later, you you almost forget that you had them, um, yeah. and and maybe you still do indulge. It's totally okay to indulge because, as you know, as you said, it's kind of the difference for me too. Is okay, sugar is not the greatest thing for you, but alcohol is a toxin, right? And alcohol is creating much more damage than some sugar is going to do in your system.
0: Yes, that's yeah. a great um, transition to gut.
1: Yes, I, you know, this is one area for me that I have just been loving. And because the attention around the gut has really grown over the last 10 or 15 years, it's a really important topic to touch on and something that I've been finding a lot of interest around because, you know, the popularity now of probiotics Mm -hmm. and all these different things that we can take to support our gut health. And there's some really interesting things that happen within the gut when we drink alcohol on a regular basis. The first thing is that it changes the balance of our microbiome. Our microbiome is that balance of good and bad bacteria that live in our gut. Good bacteria is what we often call our probiotics, so that's why people take probiotics to help boost that good bacteria. On the other side of the spectrum, we have this negative or unhealthy bacteria. It's there naturally, it's present in everyone's body, and the important thing is that we keep the good and the bad balanced so that the bad doesn't start to contribute issues within the gut. So this is again why people often take probiotics to improve that balance. we're drinking on a regular basis, it starts to change the balance of the microbiome and skew us more towards this unhealthy bacteria. And this is partially because that bacteria, excuse me, feeds off of sugar, carbs, and alcohol in some instances. So when we are drinking on a regular basis, we're, we're kind of ongoing feeding this bad bacteria. The thing about that with, um, kind of the the broader or the uh, larger picture is when we have this unhealthy bacteria in our system feeding off of sugar, carbs, and alcohol, it causes our body to have cravings for these foods that it wants. So, you know, when I used to work in clinical practice, we would always explain this as it's not necessarily you that wants the sugar or the alcohol, but it's these little bugs inside of us saying, send in the sugar, send in the alcohol because it's being fed off of that. So again, when we talk about willpower, it can be another contributor as to why maybe it's more difficult for us to say no. There are some specific strains of bacteria that there is research that shows that it it, uh, is fed by alcohol and causes cravings for more alcohol. The other thing that happens in the gut is what we call leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And basically what happens when this is going on is we start to develop small kind of holes in the lining of our digestive system, which is part of the mechanism that contributes to autoimmune disease as well as uh, adult onset food sensitivities. So this is very important because I see a lot of people who have a history of heavy drinking that have autoimmune disease. And the important thing to know is that while alcohol and the toxic nature of alcohol contributes to that leaky gut, when we remove alcohol, when we start to rebalance the gut and heal the gut, we can help with the symptoms that are associated with that. Um, so this is really important again, not only if you are currently drinking and looking for, you know, more reasons to, to change that behavior, but also another reason I think for many people to say, this isn't good for my body. And this is maybe something that I don't want to do because I know it's making these symptoms worse.
0: Yeah. And just the clarity on, I bet there's some women having some aha moments right now and going, Oh, that's why this is happening or that's why, you know, my doctor has said this because I I'm a firm believer because <laughs> I was there. There's so long that we live in that disconnect. Even you, I mean, you said it all the years and as a healthcare professional, we have this awareness, all this. I'd spent time a couple of years ago learning about gut health and the balance of the good and bad bacteria and and how, how we can heal it in different things. And then yet alcohol was like the last thing I did. <laughs> So it's huge to know that this is happening. And so then what would you say, because women are here because they're, they realize they need to take a break, they're sober curious, where other than, you know, removing the alcohol and we're going we're gonna to start taking steps, how do you get or encourage people to start? What are some small things they can add in? Because I know we like to say, you know, want to start taking all this stuff away and feeling deprived, but what can we begin to add into our lives? Absolutely. So one of the first things I like to suggest
1: and recommend is simply just adding more fiber into your diet. So that is more fruits, more vegetables, more maybe whole grains over refined grains, nuts and seeds. Those are going to be some of our best sources of fiber in the diet. So if we think about um, an apple, for example, as a snack versus, you know, A candy bar or something that's going to be higher in refined carbohydrates like cookies for example or crackers so having that source of fiber is not only going to help with our digestion it's going to help with bowel regularity it's going to help with us feeling less constipated it's going to help move things along better in the digestive system Also, the good bacteria in our gut are fed by fibers. So we want to make sure that we're putting in enough healthy fiber into our diet every single day in order to help improve the digestive system. So one thing to think about is I know people get a little leery on tracking their food. Mm -hmm. However, I do often like to suggest even tracking your food in a diet app for three days, five days, one week can be really telling when you start to put in what you're eating each day and actually seeing how much fiber are you getting, how much protein are you getting. The the general kind of recommendation, quote unquote, for fiber is a minimum of 25 grams a day. And just as a point of reference, one cup of broccoli is only five grams. Oh, wow. So we do need to consume a good bit of fruit and vegetables each day in order to hit that. So that's why it can be really eye-opening if we just track our food for a few days and start to see, oh wow, I'm only getting 10 grams of fiber. How can I boost that up to 25 or 30? The other thing is now, of course, probiotics are a big topic in the space. Um, Some people do really benefit from probiotics. One thing that you can do, even aside from a probiotic, is start to bring in uh, probiotic-rich foods, which are, are often our are fermented foods. So things like sauerkraut, kimchi, pickled veggies, pickled beets are another great one that I love. Uh, things like kefir or yogurt. I do disclaim those usually. That um, you know, I always like plain, unsweetened. Try to sweeten it yourself with maybe a little bit of fruit and then you'll get your fiber in there too. Mm-hmm. So you want to try to avoid the excess sugars and the excess carbs that come with some of those, but even adding some kimchi or sauerkraut to a sandwich, to your eggs, uh, you know, kind of putting that in an, in your day can bring in some of those probiotic rich foods. Um, You know, and as it relates to probiotic supplements, I'm always a firm believer with supplements that you do want to check with your healthcare provider to see if that's really right for you, if there's any contraindications based on medications you're taking and things like that. However, probiotics can be really beneficial to help restore that good, healthy balance of bacteria, and oftentimes people notice after taking them for a month or two months, that they do feel a difference in their digestive health in that digestive regularity. And again, other conditions that may have association with the gut.
0: Yeah, for sure. I did that for a long while. That was something I really was consistent with and I've been able to taper off the supplementation just because I have brought in other things. And um, there again, I think with the food conversation and tracking, I'm I'm with you. There's just kind of that whole, I don't know about that, but I totally agree because that is how I discovered too, for myself, that I really was not getting near enough protein Mm -hmm. for what I needed. And considering how much time I'm spending, you know, lifting weights and physical activity, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm healing my muscles in Mm -hmm. recovery. And so I think it's very helpful, even if, like you said, if they do it, you know, three or four days here, you know, a couple weeks later, try again, just kind of see what's going on and you'll begin to pick up because um, awareness is the key. We've got to have this awareness of like, what is really going in our body? What are, you know, what are we really doing in order to make a change?
1: Exactly. There's so much awareness that comes with even just a few days of doing it. Again, not that you have to do it to track your food consistently, but just a few days and really seeing, oh, wow, I'm 50 grams of protein shy from where I might want to be or I'm 20 grams below that fiber intake and how do I start to Uh, start to taper it up just to get a little bit more. So I think it's really important uh, piece of the puzzle there. And it leads me into also thinking about nutrient deficiencies, which are really tied into the third piece that I often speak about. And one thing that is really important to understand with alcohol is that it is very deleterious on our nutrient status it robs us of most of our B vitamins, our vitamin C, our vitamin D, all of our minerals like magnesium and zinc. When we're drinking on a regular basis, our body needs more of those nutrients in order to quelch the damage that's happening from alcohol. So not only does alcohol make it more difficult for us to absorb nutrients, but again, requires more nutrients to kind of put out the fires, if you will, that alcohol starts in the system. So the important thing to think about with nutrients, because, you know, the question then often begs itself of, should I be taking a multivitamin? Should I be taking other nutrient supplementation? You know, tracking food is always again a good way to see what's really coming into your body. It's also helpful when you're having lab work done with your physician to ask them to do some nutrient testing. Even things like vitamin D, magnesium, um, B vitamins can be really helpful to see where does your body stand, especially if you have a history of alcohol use. And while these nutrients are so important for everything from energy production to hormone production to uh, you know, how our brain functions, I actually speak a lot about the importance of certain nutrients in the development of your brain neurotransmitters. So our feel good brain hormones like serotonin and dopamine are all produced off of amino acid precursors. So amino acids are components of protein And certain nutrients like our B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc are just a handful of them. So when we think about the importance of dopamine and serotonin in our mood, our mental health, how we're feeling, um, it's important for us to think that. When we're drinking alcohol and we're depleting these nutrients, we're actually creating this cycle that potentially reduces our body's ability to produce these feel-good hormones. So this is another part of the puzzle as we think about the importance of how alcohol plays a role with anxiety, depression, but then also how we use alcohol to then cope with that anxiety and depression.
0: Yes. Once again, in another loop.
1: (laughs) Another loop. It's, you know, and that's the thing too is oftentimes people talk about, you know, once you're sober, using nutrition to heal your body. And yes, we can absolutely heal our body by putting in all that good food and, you know, restoring our systems, our gut, etc., But the other thing is that these nutrients are actually really important in playing a role for us to be able to get sober and to stay sober as well. So it's not just this after I get sober, let me focus on my nutrition, but how can I take those tips and actually use them to help shift my behaviors with alcohol?
0: Yeah. Implement them right away in Mm -hmm. order to, like I said, you know, maybe reduce that, the impact or the pressure of the journey, because we, we are going to experience, you know, sleep issues and some, you know, maybe elevated anxiety to begin with, but then it calms back down because our body's regulating, our brain is regulating and, you know, kind of bouncing back out. And that was huge for me because for years I took antidepressant. And once I, you know, got further away from, you know, having alcohol and, and implementing all these things, then it was like, I don't think I need this anymore and had a conversation with my physician and that's what we did. We said, okay, well, let's give it a try. And you know, I'm almost August will be four years alcohol free for me. And each year it's just amazing where I can see just even simply to the, just the clarity and the, the way I can retain information and, Mm -hmm. and being able to really uh, stabilize my moods and Mm -hmm. things like that so i'm a firm believer that's that is the chemistry in the brain and the all the other tools all in one pretty package that i've really worked with
1: yeah it's it's a complex puzzle and and you're right in that you know many of us experience changes in mood when we're going through that process of eliminating alcohol but i even know for myself as well you know i experienced Anxiety probably that I would rate at a nine or a 10 when I was drinking, mm-hmm. and even after a month being off of alcohol, it was probably down to a three. Wow. You know, a lot of people find or we feel like, gosh, we have this anxiety that's very difficult for us to cope with, and alcohol is used to then cope with it. And we find that when we take out because it can be contributing to that anxiety symptom, um, you know, it can produce such a change when we take it out. But to your point, Michelle, over time, we experience more and more benefit. And that is potentially, you know, restoring those nutrients, restoring the plasticity of our brain and the way that our brain is firing. You know, when we're putting alcohol into our system on a regular basis, it rewires how our brain works. And there's actually research that shows that the younger we start drinking, the more likely we are to have you know, an alcohol use disorder later on, because when we're young and we're wiring our brain to use alcohol, we still carry those patterns on as an adult. But when we take alcohol out of the picture, it can start to change how our brain is functioning and start to rewire those pathways so that we're thinking a little more clearly. We are not necessarily feeling the craving or the need for alcohol. We are now having maybe more natural dopamine being produced that we're not looking for those kind of quote unquote hits of dopamine to feel those positive benefits. But alcohol tends to dull a lot of those senses so that when we first stop drinking, it feels like maybe things feel a little bit blah for a while because it takes some time for the body to repair itself as well.
0: Yeah. And there again, I think that's such a matter of soaking this in and just having that sort of, the more I learned throughout my process, the better because it allowed me to, to carry that with me during those times when I felt the fluctuation that I was like, okay, this is supposed to be happening. This is part of the process. Right. And then it gets better. So yeah, I I can totally see that. And that's a lot of what I work with women on in, in walking through that, really learning how to create the calming tools for the anxiety, because it will dramatically reduce. And then now, you know, just with this conversation and getting more details, we can also layer the nutrition, which is just going to help even more.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. It's there's so much out there and and more is always uncovered for me as I continue to go through the research and you know build some of the things that I'm working on to share with with everyone as well. So, um, you know, I'm excited to be a part of this space and wow. gosh, there's so much inspiration now on social media and it's easier than ever to reach out for help or to be inspired by people who are taking, you know, the sober pathway. So I think it's just such a beautiful time for people to explore this and really feel the benefits of sobriety because I know that you and I can probably chat all day on on how good it feels to not be drinking.
0: Yes. And thank you for doing what you do. Will you tell my listeners where they can find you? Because I know they're going to want to watch more and learn more from you. I would love to. So I'm available on, I have a
1: website. It's www.brooksheller.com, And I'm sure Michelle will link that. Yeah. And I do have a special uh, giveaway for podcast listeners. So it's brooksheller.com forward slash podcast. And I am most active on Instagram, on social media at drbrooksheller. And there I'm always posting, you know, inspiration tips, Uh, updates on things that are coming down the pipeline. I recently launched a seven-day alcohol and gut reset course. So it's a self-run course that you can sign up for at any time and get some details about uh, how alcohol affects the gut, but also how to start taking strides and steps towards improving your gut. So, it's a really great program for people who are interested in maybe exploring that realm, want mm-hmm. to know a little bit more about the gut and maybe certain supplements that might be helpful for them. So, that's available also on my website. Um, yeah, and I have some really exciting things in the pipeline and. Uh, Hopefully would love for you to sign up for my email newsletter list and everything like that to stay tuned for, uh, for new details and, and more programs and nutrition, uh, tips to change your relationship with
0: drinking. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'll link everything in the show notes and, um, I have a feeling we'll be connecting again. So thank you for coming. Yes. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helps you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. This is what helps the show grow and helps more women to get their hands on the support so they can choose to reduce their drinking or quit altogether like I did. Go join the community and say hi over on Facebook by searching Set Free Sisterhood. I will also put the link in the show notes. You can also connect with me for a one-on-one discovery call at Porterfield at gmail.com. And I want to ask, how do you want to feel in the next six months? Who are you becoming? Are you ready to grow? I see you and I've got you. Until next time, stay blessed.